One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the 381st episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Working With Lemons and Jerry Windley Doust, two patrons that have been with us for a long time. Thank you so much. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Unlow. Today we've got Kestrin Pantera back on the show. She's got a new film debuting on Hulu. It'll be out by the time this episode drops called Pretty Problems. And she was on the show back in the day, episode 216, when we were just at the dawn of a pretty gnarly pandemic. So it's great to catch up with her. Both of her films were South by Southwest darlings. She's got a really interesting comparison of experiences between the first film and the second film and how it's an incremental progress that we're all making. And she continues to level up. She's really fun. Feels like you're just chatting with an old friend. This is a great one. Yeah. She told us the story about her, her band that she's in. And <laughs> have you, had you heard that story before? Pretty crazy story. I have not. I knew that she was in that band because band some some kind of famous people. Some famous people because I the famous people had come up in my feed, and then I was like, "Wait, is that Kestrin?" You know, it's a great conversation. She also is just an extrovert. She's a people person, and I'm always interested to talk to those people because I have a hard time understanding how their brain works. And she lets us inside. And just kind of cracks open her take on how to be a person around famous people in Los Angeles. She's also like really a great example of someone who is on this journey for like for the long haul. You know, it's mm -hmm. not like she started making films a year ago. She's been acting and performing and doing music and hosting various things and writing and directing for a long time. And it's just fun to see her career kind of exploding right now. We hope you enjoy it. Before we talk to her, though, I want to remind everyone we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash just shoot it pod. We've been getting a lot of emails and messages and Instagram DMs about people enjoying you know, our episodes about burning out or some of our deeper talks about the existential state of being a filmmaker uh, nowadays and also just enjoying um, you know, the episodes that I'm not featured on Mm -hmm. as prominently so uh you know if you feel like you're getting anything out of this and you want to give us a dollar a month just to uh help us pay for some editing you know we've kind of made a little bit of an effort to have a few sponsor free months just to give people a little bit of a break so i guess we we probably do still have a couple sponsors popped mm -hmm. in here and there um but uh you know anything you can do is really helpful and at the very least it motivates us to keep going Keep making this yeah. podcast 381 weeks. We have not stopped yet. Okay, well, 
check it out patreon.com slash we appreciate anything you can do there uh, even if it's just for a month you know and it'll make us smile we'll mention your name okay we've talked enough let's talk to Kestrin Pantera life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Kestrin Pantera, back on the podcast. Thanks for thanks for coming back. Back on the podcast. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. Basically, this podcast has just turned into um, we talk about people's movies for like five minutes, and then we talk to them about uh, whether you can make a living doing this career or not. So. I'm uh, I'm always curious because we have these people that have these super successful films that win festivals and premiere on Hulu, like yours is coming out on Hulu tonight at midnight. Um, Congrats. And this is your second film at South by, but then you realize everyone is so jealous of people like you, but then I'm guessing you probably that your bulk of your income does not come from these South by movies, but like all the other things that you have in your life. And I know, you know, all these unions are striking right now because there's this issue in Hollywood that none of us can really make a consistent living doing the thing that we do. And um, that's like the thing that has just really been on my mind, I mean, on, I, on everyone's yeah. mind, but it, yeah. but 
but it's like, I don't know why it took me like eight years to realize that all these people I'm jealous of for having these like awesome movies at awesome festivals are struggling just like everybody else. And they're just jealous of you directing commercials and are like, God, if only I could shoot X amount of commercials a year to balance out with my award-winning indie film career, then, then, then. But then when I talk to my commercial director friends, they're like, no, if you lose focus on commercial directing, then you fuck it up and you don't get the calls. Yeah. How do you balance that? I mean, I'm. Well, that's, it's a good, good question to ask us because Matt has kind of been He's doing, he's show running a show right now full time. That's kind of outside of the commercial world. And I think he's been talking about that. Am, like, oh, I'm I not directing to the production companies for like three yeah. months. Like who's going to remember me? Yeah. Um, and I'm like on the other end of the spectrum where I'm like, all I do all day and all night is write treatments. I just went on this like two and a half week vacation to Israel. And I spent like half the time on Zoom calls pitching on jobs that I might not even get. And like just not even being with my family on vacation you know, and not getting paid for it either. Um, so, so 381 episodes deep, we still don't know the answer, Kestrin. Like, okay. like it's hard. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I think maybe honestly, the answer is become a name brand director where you can do commercial work in between projects, but it's because they want you not because they want your pitch, but like, that's not a sustainable plan. That's like saying be, be Taika Waititi, be Lancer Cord, you know, be Greta Gerwig. But like, I don't know. Yeah. And but short of that, it's pretty tricky for sure. The, the last commercial I directed happened after we had won a bunch of awards and had a bunch of press. And mm-hmm. it just happened to be that a colleague, an old friend of mine happened to be an agency producer and basically called me up and invited me to pitch and was like, go find a commercial production company right now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And Monday is the creative brief day. Yeah. And so, yeah. And and for, and other people were bidding on the job. Unfortunately I won it, but it was definitely like a plate spinning um, whirlwind. And I wasn't even home. Right. I was like at a festival in a hotel room being like, ah, and I was about to say, right. Like I would, I would wager that you were posting on Instagram, right and living an incredible life and then that agency producer was like oh kestrin look at her being successful and awesome she would be perfect for this spot and then invited you to pitch do you know what i mean like it's Mm -hmm. almost the problem is is that indie films are the commercial for or the marketing material for our other lucrative opportunities um, but it takes so much energy to make indie films that sometimes you don't have enough gas in the tank to be pitching regularly on the more lucrative stuff. So, I think yeah. that there is a window in there that can harmonize. I Even agreed he- 100%. Hearing you say it back to me actually reminds me of how much time you spend not posting when you're shooting and editing and then once it gets in and waiting for a festival, then once you're in a festival, you're just kind of dipping between festivals and blasting people with like pictures of you, like narcissism, <laughs> essentially, right? Narcissism and laurels. And it's your payoff for the pain <laughs> of making something with a budget that wouldn't be as big as you would normally like. So th- I think that there is a sweet spot in that for slipping in a treatment here and there. A hundred percent. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And I think you know, the balance is just in 
you know, keeping that equilibrium like you were talking about before, like keeping your eye on both prizes, one eye open on on each avenue, basically. Um, Yeah. But also the commercial world, like unless you keep going and hustling every single week, it like dries up to, you know, like you can. I remember the first time I signed uh, uh, onto a roster of this company that had like these really cool directors and I would look at their work and they have these like Volkswagen commercials that were multi-million dollar, like beautiful commercials. And I'd be like, oh my goodness, that, that this director must work all the time. And they're like, yeah, we can't get him a job. I haven't gotten him a job in two years. This stuff is just too old. I'm like, what? This is like, these are commercials I grew yeah. up on, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That so were shot just, on film and still look good. Yeah. You know, yes. like still look awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's well, like, I guess to me, the difference between like the eight years we've been doing this podcast is that we're just older. You know, when we started, we didn't have any kids. We mm-hmm. like weren't worried about like the mortgage or the car payments or all the other things. And we were like so excited to be in the mix to be get these opportunities to pitch and do this and to go shoot test videos and to go travel for a couple months and make a movie and do this and do that. But then. You know, I think I, after like eight years, you're just kind of like tired of doing that and realize you're responsible for all these other things. Yeah, um, I would even argue not even tired of doing that, just responsible for other stuff. Like if I didn't sleep, I would, you know, write a treatment and a new screenplay six, you know, every six months or whatever. But like if you have to choose between like kicking the ball around in the backyard with your kid or, you know, busting your ass under treatment life is short, you know, you want to just like enjoy the time while you got it, you know? Yeah. That's why I just got to get a robot that kicks balls. Talk about a tangent. Kestrin. Well, no, but Kestrin, what's like, so you said. It does tie in school hours. That's why school's great, right? You have a hard deadline. My daughter starts Monday. Monday she starts school. Oh my goodness. Preschool. I can't. Oh, wait. congratulations. Thank you. Thank oh, you. It also is hard. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Someone, your kids, how old's yeah. your youngest, Kestrin? Seven. Yeah. yeah gotcha. See, so yeah, you're yeah. in it. Yeah. You're, you're in a, in a different place. deal. Yeah. Someone just, yeah. uh, like this EP I'm working with just texted me today. You know, we we're talking about directors and companies and things. And he's like, when are you making a movie? And I was like, well, I'm, I made a couple movies back in the day. He's like, are you going to, you got anything lined up? I'm like, not until my youngest is like at least five years old. Like he's two right now. And like, there's no way I could leave my wife for like two months to make a movie and leave her alone with him. She would explode. Um, So I do think maybe Matt and I are in the thick of it in terms of like, just like brain space to be creative and make a living and, you know, be part of the family. Well, well hold hold on. Uh, so you said your your youngest is seven, but your your previous film that we talked to you about. When did we? When did you shoot that? When did you shoot Mother's Little Helpers? So I shot Mother's Little Helpers in 2018 because I was going crazy mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a three year old and a five year old, or two year old yeah. and a five year old, yeah. and I was like, I am dying. This is not the life I was meant to live exclusively. And I think that's mm-hmm. also why we made it for so little money in such a short yeah. amount of time. We're like 11 days or 12, you know, two weeks was what I could. I feel like you for. were hinting at that and I didn't understand at the time. And now I do. Yeah. Now you're I in get the it, dark, you guys are in the <laughs> hardest place of you're in the, the cavern of parenting that is the hardest place in your creative life and in your emotional life and in your relationship life. 
that you'll probably ever be until as like, as long as your parents are alive and happy, you know? So yeah, it's, it just is really fucking hard and you're in the dark place and it'll get better and it gets better when they're five and it gets great when the youngest is seven. I was just thinking today of how hard it was the last time I spoke to you. I, I was thinking of how hard it was when I spoke to you in 2020, when we were releasing that movie at the very beginning of a pandemic, it was April, 2020. And my kids were so little and everything was fucked up. And I think a lot of the reason life is so good right now is just because they're seven and 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My <laughs> seven year old is amazing. Like she can, she'll like help me with things, you know, like, um, yeah. like we'll go film things. She can like hold a boom pole practically. Yeah. Um, mine's editing. My daughter's editing today. She, 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 they, my kids came in and they recorded their own 30 second timed perfectly podcast pitch for some kid podcast. And they were, they were pitching, um, Pippin and Charlemagne and, you know, to, to talk a little bit, to just really drill down on this dad tangent that we're on. I am playing music in a middle-aged dad band occasionally. Castron, I, I, I saw this actually. <laughs> I saw, I was like, wait a minute, that's Castron. Yes. Keep going. And is this the thing you, where you were playing with Weird Al? Yeah. Is that related to that? Yeah. How cool. You're also like a rock star at the same time. So Hold crazy. on. Don't, don't, the, it's not weird. Al is may perhaps the most important to me, but the list goes on. The list goes on. Kestrin, who else is in this dad band? It's officially it's David Wayne and Ken Marino's dad band. Mm -hmm. And it also features some other great writers and DPs and uh, Frank Barrera is a DP. He's amazing. He shot Reno 911 and a bunch of your favorite stuff and always gives a relevant advice, which I could circle back to. Um, Sweet Teddy B is also a, a writer and um, John Spurney. And we have a, just a lot of uh, professional, Jess, Jessica McKenna, Jackie Tone from, um, she played Melrose on Glow and um, Natalie Morales. It's just an amazing, Beth Dover, an amazing group revolving cast of characters come in and they totally wail and it's amazing. And it's nice to be around people who have families. Uh, David Wayne's son, Henry Wayne, plays the saxophone in it. And Jordan Katz plays the trumpet. And it's just really sweet to see this, uh, a guy named Craig Wedren, who was at the all-star band uh, that we did a few weeks ago um, and is an amazing composer in his own right. And Joe Latrulio, it's like a state reunion. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. It's the, it, what if the state became middle-aged and had like a rock band in their garage, but then toured with it? That's what happened, basically. That's what happened. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and, and how did you, did you know them or how did you get invited? I had just moved to South Pasadena and we used to trick or treat on Armstrong in Silver Lake. But this year... My husband said, let's just go trick or treat in the new place. So we took our kids. It's five o'clock. I'm wearing my Dana, like Zool costume from Ghostbusters. Everyone's in costume. It's Halloween. It's five o'clock. The sun's still up. The kids are trick or treating. And there, there's this band of dudes in costumes tuning up in the garage driveway. And the vocals are too low. So I was like, dude, your vocals are too low. And then the guitar player was like, well, how's my level? And then the drummer was like, how's my level? How's my level? How's my level? And, I, and then we did a little sound check and then walked away, took the kids out. And then my kids burnt out and went to the neighbor's house. And we came back at like nine o'clock and it is like thousands of people 
darkness Mardi Gras, like a like the hugest rager I have been to in years on a completely closed off to traffic pedestrian only street. And there are hundreds of people mobbing this band and they're awesome. So we squeeze our way up to the front and we hang and we're getting ready to go after enjoying the set and filming some of them. And my friend sees their set list and is like, dude, they're going to play the time warp next. And we were like, Oh my God, we got, we got to stay for time warp. And right when they start playing, my friend and I start shouting it from the audience. Cause we know it back to front, but the lead singer kind of goes up on the lines and it becomes instantly clear that he doesn't know the song like a true goth nerd from the nineties, eighties and seventies does. And the lead guitar player kind of intuitively picked up on this because we were shouting the line so loudly and he pointed at the mic and handed his mic to us and was like, take it. So I took the mic and I also went through a whole understanding of the song, the time warp, where I was like, this guy doesn't know the song really well, but also it's a bunch of dudes. Who's going to sing the magenta part and who's going to sing the Columbia part. They're going to fucking, it's not going to go well because they don't have any girls to sing the girl part. So I was like, okay, I accepted the microphone give understanding the peril that they faced as performers Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. showed up, nailed the magenta part. My husband films the whole thing. It's like the most epic legendary night of my entire life. We totally stole this band and it was amazing. We karaoke bombed him. And not that it matters, but did you realize like David Wayne is in the band? No. No. And the clown random dads. No, it was just everyone's in costume and the, and the clown singing is like literally has clown face paint, a nose, a, colorful rainbow wig and a fat suit on. I had no idea it was Ken Marino. Yeah. (laughs) And so afterwards, one of my friends like, I think that might be David Wayne. I think he plays the drums. And I was like, cool. And then we found out it was. So I tagged him in the video that I posted on my Instagram. And he said, hey, can you give me the high res version of it? So, and he was like, here's how to get in touch with me. And I sent him and he's like, no, 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 no. This isn't high res enough. And he like immediately director nerded out. He's like, no, no, no. If we're going to get the high res, you need to send from this iCloud link and this and not compress it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this guy's a fucking nerd. I love it. And then, um, through that troubleshooting, uh, we established contact. I invited him to one of my RVIP karaoke parties for New Year's, and then he invited me to play with the band. So I time warped my way into the dad band. Wait, and you play violin, stand up? I play bass? electric your... cello. Oh, electric cello. Yeah. Um, that is like, if there is not a good argument for living in LA. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the best version we've heard of. Um, that it is quite a tale, Kestrin. It is quite a tale. <laughs> it was crazy. This is sort of interesting and not something we've ever talked about on the show. But like from time to time, depending on what circles you run in, like you are around people who you maybe were previously aware of. We'll say. Do you know what I mean? Like there, are, I'm sure there are listeners at home who are like, "Oh my god, I love David Wayne." That's so exciting. And there are other people who are like, oh, I'm not totally sure who that person is you're talking about. Right. But like that's going to be true for all sorts of different people. Right. Like you're going to run into people that you really, really admire that maybe have a super high profile and you're going to run into people with super high profiles that you're not really caring about. But Kestrin, it seems like you have a, a good sense of how to deal with that, whether you're intimidated by that person or not, or that person is very famous or not. Right. 
Oren, you were joking about how that's an advantage of living in Los Angeles, and it is, but that's also an easy thing to like get anxious about or mess up or or just get in your head about, right? Like it, it would be easy to be like, oh my God, I gotta give David my screenplay. That's a it's a hypothetical as a, as yeah, a for yeah, instance, yeah. right? You don't want to make someone feel awkward or feel used or use someone, right? So talk to us a tiny bit more about maybe just a general philosophy, not specifically about the dad band, but like in your travels, what's your philosophy on being around people who you were aware of prior to meeting them, we'll say? I found others will disagree with me on this. My most reliable strategy has been to not acknowledge the fact that the person is famous and treat them like Mm -hmm. a normal person. Often it's come from hosting my own events and then all of a sudden a famous person will be there and I'll be like, whoa, yeah, sure. What are you drinking? And then I just kind of treat them like an asshole, like anyone else at one of my parties and like put them to work. Like, what are you singing? What are you drinking? Mm -hmm. And that takes once someone brings it or if they sing their song or if they perform, then that kind of takes the steam or the loadedness out of the situation. My MO is to not acknowledge the fact that they're famous Mm -hmm. or that Mm -hmm. I know who they are. And I, I, I literally mentally shut something off in my brain that associates them with fame or any like emotional, psychological uh, like neural pathway, mm-hmm. I kill it. I kill it so that I can treat them as a human first and foremost. And then maybe later it'll come up the acknowledgement, but my husband is a hundred percent the opposite where he'll say, hello, <laughs> like, can you sign this please. Uh, he's not a weirdo like that, but he's just like, it is so great to meet you. I loved your work on blah, blah, blah. Welcome. Come on in. And I am completely the opposite where mm-hmm. I'm just like, what are you drinking? Your work yeah, sucks. Yeah. You, you know what I like yeah. about... I don't even um, acknowledge the fact that they work because half right, the right. time I don't know what it is that they do. And I often do the best with famous people when I have no you fucking clue who they who are. They are. Yeah, yeah. And those yeah. are the people that I end up having the best relationships with long Send me athletes day after day. No problem. <laughs> I'm like, sure. Right. Like, I get that you're, you're a world-class celebrity that other people would be very excited about but we're just going to work together for sure but also but also it's so different when you own the bar and then these are your guests it's sure. different than if you're making your next movie and you're like oh there's this part and the producer's like what if we t- talk to like a ken marino about it and you're mm-hmm. like well i know ken but it'd be kind of weird for me to ask him to be in the movie but but it's not that weird you know like as a director to go ask someone like him to be in the movie you know like to me that's where the awkwardness gets big and it, it's happened to me. Some, some, like when I first moved to LA, one of my first friends, Avi, his brother-in-law was like a, one of the top agents at CAA. And we were, I was like, that's it. We're in, you know? And the guy could not, I mean, like never acknowledge that I, I was a filmmaker, <laughs> like, you know, because I, I wasn't, I was making like YouTube videos. Um, and it's sometimes you have access to these people in really high positions, but there's not really much you can do with them. But at other times you are, there is something that you could do with them. You can collaborate on something, but it feels weird to bring it up. You know, the timing of when you use your leverage, if you have any. And I think a lot of the time building trust is about building trust is building trust, whether or not someone is famous or you're helping someone out or you need help. So you'd made another movie that premiered at South by Southwest, Mother's Little Helper. 
what what was the difference between that and Pretty Problems, which also premiered at South by, that m- made one of them put you on a list of of someone that should, is offered movies versus the other one, or was it just oh, timing? Fuck, that's such a loaded question. I think about this all the time. Everything I thought would happen with Mother's Little Helpers, I was like, I'm in South by, I made it. Like mm-hmm, we did it, mm-hmm. we sold it, we got it. Like blah blah blah. Yeah, got signed by ICM. It's a big deal. And, you know, the pandemic definitely played a huge part in it. But we had TV stars in that movie. Like some people mm-hmm. that I like all Americans recognize their their faces, like hit TV shows and like people from SNL. And, you know, granted, it was a cancer movie and that's a big bummer. And no one really wants to <laughs> it's not sure. like top of top of your weekend watch list. But um Pretty Problems, everything that I would have wanted to happen, best case scenario, happened for Pretty Problems. For the film itself, in terms of uh, winning the awards at South By that it did and getting recognition within the organization, and the film sale and every possible positive outcome happened for Pretty Problems. Mm-hmm. So you think I, the award... The audience award and the IFC distribution made a difference in a way that well, because Mother's Little Helper have... also was distributed by who was it? That was Gravitas by? Ventures. Gravitas. So, so I mean, yeah, it yeah, was right. you know, it yeah, was yeah, like, it, is, it is different. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's different, but it, it was um, there. But you could feel it from the second it got accepted. The the winning the awards and stuff doesn't start with winning the award. It starts with your placement, your programming, mm-hmm. um, the attention, who introduces your film at the Q and a, all that stuff matters and you can feel mm-hmm. momentum or lack of momentum. Yeah. 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 It's it, not just that it matters, but also they're all tiny signals that you probably would don't even recognize unless you've done it twice on both sides of the coin. Right. That's really insightful. Kestrin. That's really fascinating. Yeah, the, just the difference of like, oh, I'm like a little higher up at the table on this one. Or like, oh, it's so nice so-and-so is introducing my film. That's and, really fascinating. And do yeah. you think it was because of the actual movie? Like people were just responding to this movie in a in a brighter way? Or do you think it's because it was your second time there and you were like welcomed back as like kind of one of the club people? Well, I know that I had built a level of trust with the organization by showing up and going really hard, supporting that festival and supporting, bringing everything mm-hmm. I possibly mm-hmm. had to the table mm-hmm. and South by Southwest. Incredible South, uh, incredible podcast appearances. Amazing for podcasts <laughs> from, a, yes. A um, lot of karaoke parties. And we had had a relation, you know, for like 10 or 15 years, we'd gone and brought everything to that festival. So we really, really loved it and we wanted it. And we told them that. Mm-hmm. And then we had a great turnout with sold out screenings. We didn't win all the awards that year, but we had a successful, you know, pandemic release. And I think that that factored in when it came down to the next time we got to program Mm -hmm. a movie Mm -hmm. that was much lighter hearted, that was a lot more commercial, that was like way, we had way more budget for this movie and a lot of resources. And it was about topics that were just you know, income inequality and making fun of billionaires was mm-hmm. just happened to be timely at the time. And even mm-hmm. shit like pink, like last year we decided we were going full Barbie pink in 
January, 2022. And then that, and everyone wore pink and heels to the thing. And that's still Barbie core has been a fashion trend that has carried on for, you know, years since then. So it just, all this, everything seemed to align culturally with what was also going on with the years of groundwork we had laid Mm -hmm. in terms of relationships with the organization. And yeah, I I, I love that. Let's unpack that even a little bit more because I think that there are probably listeners at home who are like, well, how, what, what, what sort of groundwork are we talking about? Right. So you mentioned you have your, your RV karaoke bar and you were showing up, right. Which is kind of, uh, unique to you. Right. But what are the other things that you were doing? But we have heard that advice before of like, Hey, go to the festival before you get in, get to yeah, know yeah. the people. Which, like, I, which is exactly right. But like, how, yeah. what do you mean? Like what, like yeah. dig in a little more. Yeah. So the first time I went to South by Southwest was I think 2005 or 2006. And I brought my electric cello and I scored some airplane miles and slept on someone's floor and started playing gigs there. Cause I heard that South by Southwest was the cool music festival to play at. And then I, this was like 2006 and 2008, all these technology nerds were doing stuff and Twitter launched mm-hmm, there. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I helped put together you were a checking tech in on party. Foursquare. Basically. Checking in on Foursquare, yeah. totally. Yeah. Like yeah. Twitter launched. We came up it. with threads. At that we time. came up with threads. <laughs> we invented the internet, and you know there is a sense of community. It's like going to summer camp every year for fifteen years. You have your best friends. You have this culture. You have this ingrained ritual and history together. And like the joke, I remember for years we always joked that you'd come home with South by South Sars. South by South SARS was like everyone lost their voice at the end of the yeah. week and got really sick. And then we yeah. actually all got South by South SARS, which at Comic-Con, we called it nerd flu, but uh, same, same yeah. difference. Yeah. 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 So I, I think it's almost like a college reunion or something that happens yearly. And that's what it means to be embedded into a festival where you get to know the programmers, not because you're kissing their butt trying to get a movie in, but because you're out with them at parties talking and asking them what movies they liked and you're watching them introduce movies and then you run into them at a bar later Mm -hmm. and they're singing karaoke and then you back them up. That can be metaphorical as well. That that Just because you don't know how to sing karaoke as well as Kestrin does, there are other, like you have to find your own version of that, right? Which is a theme that we hear on the show all the time. It's like, there's all sorts of different versions of backing people up and like shoving up to the party, whether that's singing or something else who knows you know yeah absolutely it's like the drummer with a van is the one you're gonna hire over the drummer without a van who needs a van to like haul all his shit around and that's another thing i have a friend john bernstein who every time he goes to sundance he rents a car because he knows people are going to need a safe ride home and he can always offer a ride that's pretty good that's pretty good i mean you put in the work you laid the groundwork you knew the festival You had the movie there. The timing was better, you know, for the second film. So, but do you think if you would have made that second film first, you would have gotten to this point faster? Like, I guess I'm trying to figure out. Cut cut out the COVID. Or you're asking, is it the film? Is it the film or or is it the accumulation? Yeah, Yeah. because my next question was going to be like, what did you learn between the first and the second film that you brought to the second film to make it more commercial or brighter? Like. Like, do you feel like you actively were like, okay, I made this movie about cancer. It got like these accolades premiered at this great festival, but people weren't excited to see it. And for my next movie, I want to do the opposite thing. I want to make it 
like a run, like a crazy comedy of making fun of people that everyone likes to make fun of. Yeah. I joke that my first movie was about being afraid of having a baby. And then I got pregnant while we were filming. And my second movie was about losing a loved one. And then my best friend died. And so I was like, so my third movie is going to be about someone who's a wildly successful A-list global superstar sure. director who lives their best life. But in, in a lot of ways, uh, Pretty Problems is about like people partying and enjoying extreme wealth and being threatened by it and all their relationship to extreme wealth. And um, it's not all good, clearly, but it is really, really fun. And in my Q&A intros, I would say... There are a lot of important films that are coming out this year. And I just want to let you know that this isn't one of them. I hope you like dick jokes. Mm -hmm. Like shit's about to get pretty. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely intentional. That was definitely intentional. Yeah. You want to give the audience a good time. Yeah. And to your question of if I had made pretty problems first, I don't know, but I do think it's complicated because I did have, I had a friend who made a movie that won Sundance and went on to, you know, the stratosphere of career and I'll substitute a different actor in for the, for the movie. But I was like, for your advice to me, would you say, uh, keep doing what you're doing, just keep making stuff no matter what, just shoot it, blah, blah, blah. Or would you say never make another movie again, unless you have an A-list movie star mm-hmm. in it? Yeah. And he was like, yeah. well, wouldn't have been a Tom Cruise movie if Tom Cruise wasn't in it. That I think he yeah. kind of gently was like, stars certainly help. And he only had, he only made one. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to the, to, he got the, the Marvel catapult. Yeah. Yeah. Of, yeah. So I definitely think about that as I'm putting together my next movie. Counterpoint. Like he only made one. And if you can make a Tom Cruise movie as your first film, Everyone, I want to be very explicit. Go do that. But bringing it back to something that we can talk about. You had legit stars in in um, uh, Mother's Little Helper. And your first film, uh, Let's Ruin It with Babies, I'm not f- super familiar with. But like, they're stepping stones, right? Yeah. Like there is that incremental move. And if you're constantly waiting for Tom Cruise's you know, agent to read the script or for his schedule to free up or whatever, you're going to have to wait till there's no more mission impossible movies. You know what I mean? Like that, I feel like that's really good advice if you have the access, but if you don't have the access, you shouldn't wait around, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I will say that this person's partner at the time, like spouse was also a rep of one of the, like, so say Tom Cruise's agent. So like, it, it he did have that advantage right nowadays since like you can feel like a little like juice come in where your team expands or people mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. get you more meetings or you get more opportunities and then you get attached to some movies i thought when you were attached to movies someone gave you a check and you were rich but what i've learned so far is you get attached to a movie and then you get a movie star and then a bunch of stuff happens and then you do your deal and then you make the movie and you probably get paid DGA, whatever, which is all great. Or it doesn't happen. Or it doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and, and the approach to stars has been really fun. And I, I know that you guys have talked about this on this podcast, but when like, 
path that I've experienced so far has been a, I just go up and talk to them, whoever I feel most comfortable asking nicely to be in my movie. That's how I did mother's little helpers. I had personal relationships with all of them. Most of them from acting class from like 10 years. So I felt very comfortable asking Dave Gentoli nicely because he was my old friend and Milana and Brita and Melanie I'd met once, but I invited her to coffee and she said, yes, with, the movies that I'm attached to now and the way that we're approaching actors, I had a little bit, I got attached to one that's just a fucking hilarious script. And it was a revelation getting attached to my first movie that had a producer that had won Oscars. And I was so excited. And, and you had then, written your past three movies, right? I, had, I didn't write Pretty Problems. Michael Tennant, who's a wonderful writer, wrote Pretty Problems, but I wrote the first two and okay. not the third. And I was attached to a script that my agent had sent me that was a, just for me a home run. And um, we made a list, right? And then, mm-hmm. and then the producer just is like, you don't need to, we don't need to like talk to anyone. Just like, tell me who you want and we'll go get them. And we'll let the script speak for its work and we'll let your work speak for its work. And then I didn't get the first one that I wanted. Granted, it was like a huge, huge, mega, mega superstar who isn't, like a rock star who's not actually acting, but, and then it went down and then you just kind of chunk down the list and you wait, you know, three weeks, a month, six weeks, however, before they pass or say yes. So I had set this kind of jaded outlook that mm-hmm. that's how it is and nothing ever happens. However, I became attached to another movie and I had my number one person on the list and they were like, all right, we're going to go out to her. And I girded my loins for uh, rejection and then they called and said, she wants to star in it. And not only that, she wants to produce it and she wants to meet you and she wants to get on the phone. And then mm-hmm. we met and she was so prepared and halfway through the meeting, she was like, so did I get it? And we, I was like, <laughs> did you get it? Uh, oh, did, really... you think, did you think yeah. I was interviewing you? Oh, yeah. that's sweet. Like how, yeah, yeah. how kind of you. And so it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the grind. Like it can, it can go both ways and you know, time will tell who goes first. And I have my other projects that I'm writing that I just shot a short film and like I'm location scouting right now just to keep it, keep busy on all fronts. It's like a multifaceted war that you wage on all fronts (laughs) that never ends. Wait, so you're scouting for another short that you're making? I'm Scott. So I shot a short already. I got, I put together an amazing team and we shot some great stuff. I got paid for yourself that I wrote. I had a EP that invested in it, um, who I'd worked with before. And, uh, she did a phenomenal job. She's also, um, a performer and, we got a Marvel stunt coordinator to coordinate it and a VFX company to do the VFX. You'd mentioned before that Mother's Little Helper was really scrappy in terms of resources, right? Like it's a lot of favors and you had accrued a lot of favors over these last few years. You had great relationships. So you turned a small amount of money into something really meaningful, right? Um, But that gets hard to continue to do over and over again. At a certain point, people are like, uh, Kestrin, are you going to pay me this time or what? Or 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 the other side of like, I would rather shoot for three weeks instead of two. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. I'm limited by these these things rather than being empowered by them at a certain point. Sometimes, depending on the sort of film you want to make. But so, pretty problems you've mentioned 
has more resources, right? Um, how did you acquire said resources? Like what, what steps had to happen in order for it to, to level up like that? And then how did it change your approach as a filmmaker? What did you like? And maybe what, what did you miss about the scrappier versions? I got an email from a stranger on the internet that said, Hey, we liked mother's little helpers. We have a fully financed movie that shoots on this billionaire compound in Healdsburg for three weeks. Here are some pictures. Would you like to read the script? And, and that I was pretty said, problems. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And, and you still have all of your organs. None of them were harvested <laughs> yeah. and stolen. <laughs> yeah. And that was the star of pretty problems. Britt Rentschler, who's also a producer wow. that cold emailed wow. me. She's a, very proper Southern woman. And she writes a mean cold email. And was it cast already? A lot of it was cast. I got to put in two, two people. And the script is really funny. Michael Tennant's an amazing writer. So it was, I laughed out loud on the plane and it was a very easy thing to say, let's talk. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's that's incredible. Because okay, what's funny about it is I remember seeing like, oh, Kestrin's got another movie at South by. Awesome. Of course she does. Because you you hustle. Do you know what I mean? You're you're on vacation, you're location scouting, right? So like I, honestly, I just kind of assumed, well, okay, well, she just wrote, wrote another movie and went and shot it. Um I love that. So, okay, so then let's talk about the differences then, right? Like you go from something that's really, really close to your heart. Right. Like really personal friends, semi improvised, you know, um, like a lot of naturalistic lighting. You're not limited by, you know, light stand, like all sorts of junk. Right. You're just doing it right. Like you're it's like pure cinema. And then now you're into something that you didn't write yourself um, that maybe is encumbered by some of that other stuff. What again, what did you like and what did you miss about the old way of filmmaking? I didn't miss anything about the old way. <laughs> I took all the best parts of it and we integrated it into the story, yeah, into okay. the strategy. Yeah. So we talked yeah, about yeah. it a lot with Michael and Britt. We were like, how about we get it as written and then we riff. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. we scratched the improv itch very well. Mm-hmm. It was amazing having a producer that did all the stuff. Pretty Problems was one of the funnest delights of my life. The biggest problem that happened during Pretty Problems is my husband called me three days into the shoot and told me my cat was dying. Mm. And I was like, I don't think this cat's dying. I think she just doesn't like you. I called a friend who there were these weird $29 flights up to Healdsburg where we were shooting for some reason, a new airline launched. So they had these really cheap flights. And I was like, hey, can you get my cat? Can you be on an airplane in three hours on this flight? I'm buying you a $29 flight and then come hang out on the movie set. It was our night off and bring the cat. And then I'll fly you back tomorrow for another 29 bucks and, sh- and I'll pay you a hundred bucks to just like come party in Healdsburg for a night. And she was like, sure. And she brought the cat and then the cat was totally fine. And everyone on our cast and crew were totally insane cat people. And the cat was showered in love. And because the producer's amazing, whose place we were staying at, she was like, yeah, she gave me permission to do it. And it was, it turned the, barest minimum of problems it it was i had my fucking cat on set with me in this amazing situation it was the best three weeks it was sucked to not be with my children at that time but did it suck that much (laughs) 
now. Sure. Like yeah, it, yeah. it's really nice to have uninterrupted focus when you're doing your life's yeah. work as it is good to have uninterrupted focus when you're with your family. Like it's important to take family mm-hmm. trips where you're not working and you're not pitching in the middle of shit and you can be present. It's equally important to do your fucking work. Yeah. And so yeah. pretty problems is really easy. And I know it was hard for a lot of the filmmakers, like the producers and actors who hadn't made a movie before. But I was like, you guys, this is really easy. <laughs> like, like a card guys, got stuck in the camera. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't yeah. get like a card got stuck in the camera at one point and we had to like do reshoot some stuff. And then it turned out that the card was fine. And like yeah. we were nervous. <laughs> you know, we almost lost half. We lost half a day of shooting one day and then we made it up. Boo yeah. fucking who. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It was a breeze. I will tell you this too. I don't want to brag, but it took place. The house where we shot literally was a vineyard for a winery. And there was a bunch of wine from the vineyard in the basement that the owner was trying to purge from their cellar. So they were like, just drink all the demol. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's nice. So there's no water on set. No water. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. we're making a movie. So I don't know. Just let that be, I guess, to to listeners that you can make something that does well, and it can also be really fun, and you really can have fun. great relationships with people, and yeah. you can, you know, it doesn't have but to be war. You have to fire at least one person every day, right? For the movie to be good, I almost fired. No, I no one got fired. No, I I thought about it. I thought about it, and then I told them I was thinking about it, and then I didn't have to do it. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's good great. that's a good power move. It is good to let people know, like, hey, you need to step up, and hear the ways in which I need you to. Do you know what I mean? Like that. That's um, I think that's good leadership for sure. So, a well, little... I actually delegated it to someone else to have the conversation. Like, you're <laughs> yeah, out. There you go. And they're like, no, 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 they're not. A, I'll handle it. Yeah. I'll fix it. And yeah. I was like, okay, fix it. But I, I learned a lot about delegating. That was the big, yeah. that was the big like leap between the two movies was learning how to delegate. And I'm excited to delve into that even deeper, even <laughs> like with casting, for instance. So like, that's mm-hmm. where we are now where I don't really, I show up and do the call, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but I don't, I'm not scrounging for a meeting. Uh, Kestrin, before we lose you, so is, are you making this movie with this movie star? What's, what is happening next? There's a couple, there's a couple. So, you know, I'm attached to a couple movies, haven't been announced yet, so can't provide the details, but I'm super excited about it. And I'm also really excited about this other one where we get to, you know, travel the world and tell a global story. That's an action comedy. And, Mm. um, and do you get paid be, be, like before any of these things are green? Like, are they greenlit? Where are they? Like, I don't. So, my lawyer tells me we not yet. He's like, this is when it happens. That it happens after the stars deal is done. And are these all happen. studio? All three of these studio films? They're in varying levels. They're they're at all all, all different levels. Um, and I haven't been enjoying, I have definitely enjoyed studio pitch opportunities. Um, it's one of my favorite things. Um, like when someone is considering you as a director and you come in and give your take on the yeah. project. Yeah. To one of the big movie studios. It's really, really cool. Um, and you do not ex- get paid for that. And you don't get paid for that. No. Um, and I talked to one friend who directed some studio movies because I, I was like, I didn't get this one. And 
it's an $80 million movie. And here's what I'm processing. And he's like, why would they give it to you? What have you done to prove you can do it? Because if it's $80 million, they're talking to five other people who've probably done it before that they're already friends with. So you have to do something to make yourself stand out in that process beyond their friends and the people who've done it a bunch before. And then he shared a story of how he created a pitch that went above and beyond what was being asked of him, that he wasn't even being invited to pitch on a big studio blockbuster movie. And he made jokes with the development execs that he was going to do the pitch that he hadn't been invited to. And then I think he maybe got the opportunity or he and his partner, his, his directing partner went ahead and shot a short film that they wrote directed and shot in 24 hours. And his colleague happened to be a VFX, you know, ninja master and did a full build out in 10 days that would have killed a mere mortal, but because they were jacked on adrenaline, they, they went for it and then they got the pitch and then they were told they were going to shoot the movie. They got the job, but then they didn't actually get the job. (laughs) Yeah. But it opened a world of opportunity, like Spielberg, Abrams, like all these amazing people they did get to write for. And they ultimately did get a different studio movie. And that was something that inspired me to shoot the thing that I just shot where I was like, well, let's go do it. Why would they give it to me? Yeah. Yeah. It was great advice, though. Well, Kestrin, we cannot wait uh, for all of your future projects. Congratulations on yet another film. Come back soon. Tell people how they can keep tabs on you, see your current film. We're rolling out the red carpet, so to speak. Oh, my gosh. Well, I invite you, dear listeners of Just Shoot It podcast, to watch Pretty Problems on Hulu as much as possible. You can watch it over and over again. Sure. And um, in the background, you just, know, yeah. yeah. there's a lot of things you miss the first three or four times you watch it. Yeah. 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 It's a, yeah. Go, go deep. And, uh, as, as you hunt for Easter eggs, if you'd like to scroll through Instagram, you can find me at Kestrin Pantera. Just thank you guys so much for talking. It's great to hear your voices and see you doing well. And you're, you're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before, Thanks. before we say goodbye, Thanks, Kestrin. Okay. Okay. A, a minute more to do an unpaid endorsement with us. For sure. Unpaid endorsements. So my unpaid endorsement for this week, I don't think I've talked about this on the show, but do either of you two know what a cowboy tub is? Oh yeah. I have one. Do you really? Oh, Kestrin. Yeah. So do I. And I'm loving it. But for the uninitiated, a cowboy tub is where you take like a stock tank, like a like a feeding tank, like something you would use to feed cattle with. So like ours is about the size of a jacuzzi. It's like eight feet uh, in in diameter. So like a like a big kiddie pool, basically, but made out of galvanized steel that we put in the backyard. We leveled the ground. You lay down some sand, you put a pool filter and some chlorine in it, and you've got like a little pool. And we built like a little deck around ours and it's been a labor of love and something that we like it's been talking about for a long time and seemed kind of crazy to do. And then during the pandemic, I think people really got into them and like that was like a thing. Like if you were like, oh, let's just what if we had a tiny pool for a couple grand and then you're off to the races? It's getting really hot. Ours we we built for this summer. I cannot believe how much I like it. I like it even more than I was hoping. I can call attention to two trends. 
now trending uh well delegation <laughs> yeah that's Delegates really stuff. top delegating oh, yeah. is top of mind i have mind. other people come up with my unpaid endorsements all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> what i do it myself so delegating delegating is so hot right now and um i had a great experience with airline miles airline mm. points i really endorse picking airline? one airline for me it was delta oh, we yeah. got upgraded to delta one D-head. twice yeah and we got a lot of delta one upgrades and it was like low cost high luxury are you gold oh my Medallion? husband's diamond diamond oh damn yeah does he fly for work yeah he did he did yeah. a lot so, 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 so dive in on that a little bit. So basically you're saying focusing on a single airline is the way yes. to just kind of consolidate points. Yes. Pick one airline for your whole family and get a credit mm-hmm. card that gives you a bunch of points that your whole family uses. Mm-hmm. And then once you get into a system, Delta is mine. It's almost like a gamified app where they really want you to be rewarded by continuing to buy flights mm-hmm. on their, uh, you know, their portal. So you get automatic upgrades once you get a certain level of points. And mm-hmm. the the quality of life is night and day for the cost, which is mm-hmm. the same. I mean, Delta is mm-hmm. a little bit more expensive than like buying something on Southwest, you know, or just mm-hmm. doing the kayak Expedia cheapest version. But I think that the rewards are truly worth it. And that's really yeah. my... And Delta One is first class, right? Delta One is first class and international Delta One is super first class. It's like Air France or Emirates first class. Right. It's the lovely. Firstest. Yeah. So that's my kind of ethos is, uh, yeah, that those are the, those, and then, and then in conclusion, low cost, high luxury. I'm all for a yeah. low cost, high luxury lifestyle, which I think Delta One, Delta loyalty points and um, delegation can bring that to you i would even argue a cowboy tub is sort yes. of, a, sort of you're right. low cost low high cost lux- high luxury you're floating yeah. in your backyard uh kaplan what you got well i have so my first thing is kind of related to what kestrin was talking about i was in israel and uh my daughter got food poisoning my son got uh hand foot mouth disease no uh, yeah he woke up with spots all over his face and i was like okay, well, I'm an Israeli citizen. I have free health insurance. I should just like go get a medical appointment. And they're like, well, your kid's not an Israeli citizen and uh, you don't get free health. Even you don't get free health insurance here. And my dad was like, wait, you don't have travel health insurance? And I was like, no, I don't, I do Americans do this? And he's like, we never leave the, this country ever without travel health insurance. I think vice versa. I think that people who have free health insurance and are like, oh my God, I'm going to the land of America. They're like, well, I have to get the health insurance just to be safe. Right. I think it is the yeah. reverse, right? Wait, did, when you went to Italy, did no. you get no, are you health kidding? insurance? No, yeah. man. So what would have happened if your leg got cut off? I don't know. I know. I didn't even think about it. And so now Delta we're like, one. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I was like, I have this Chase Sapphire preferred card. I bet that it like, cause it hooks you up with all these travel things, travel insurance and car insurance. I bet it will have some sort of health benefits for travel and it does not. But if you get the next one up, the Chase Sapphire Reserve, they cover like up to $2,500 of medical expenses. Wow. Um, Chase Sapphire preferred. Uh, I think all the Chase 
cards. You can actually call Chase and they can help you find a doctor and stuff if you need that help. If you don't like have any Jesus connections Christ, locally. That's crazy. So if you're traveling and you're into any problems, just check out whatever credit card you have. There's their odds are high that they give they they help you in some way with traveling. Even if it's like I think Chase, if you bought your ticket with on your Chase card and your mm-hmm. flight's delayed more than two hours, they'll give you like a hundred bucks or something. I mean, they have all these little things that you might not know about. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I've never had travel health insurance, but now, especially with the kids, it's something that's on my mind. Uh, and the other thing that I'm endorsing, which is something my wife just told me about today, and I haven't even researched to know if this is true or not, but we're like majorly jet lagged. And I was like, so tired at like 3 PM. And she's like, this is what you do. You make your coffee. You drink it and then you take a 20 minute power nap. Yeah. And then when you wake up, the caffeine will hit you and you're like, oh. yeah, you went like going it off and off you like up a, naturally. Yeah. Like I've, a ramp. I've heard that's like a, like a, a residence trick. Like if you're a doctor oh, in residence, like, medical. like, yeah, like that's, that's a move that they do. The trick is you have to be able to fall asleep immediately. Like you need to slam an espresso and then you have your head hit the pillow. Like you need to be drinking yeah. your coffee in bed in order for it to work. Well, I, I tried it and it worked the other days with my jet lag. I've been taking these like quick power naps and I wake up and I am like so dazed and confused mm-hmm. for like two hours. Mm-hmm. I'm like REM, like, but this coffee trick kind of did it work, kind of work. But yeah. And who, but who would have thought like drink coffee and go to sleep? Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it worked for me, but I only tried it one time. Let but, me ask, you know, check it out. Did you try Zip yeah. Fizz? No, <laughs> it's on my, it's on my list. There was a rash of people some. endorsing Zipfizz for Kestrin earlier, like a month ago on the show. People were like, Have you heard of it? It's it's like a no. It's like an airborne. It's like a thing you put in a drink. People use it on set a lot, and it like yeah, it's like having a Red Bull, like a powdered Red Bull that you throw into like a oh, bottle of water. It or whatever. has a ton of caffeine yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have jet lag too. I just want to say in solidarity. Oh, I got cool. back on Saturday. Oh, and, oh, wow. oh, I didn't realize. Man, that's relatively recent. That's wild. Well, I've just been floating in the trash can in my backyard. Well, Kestrin, thanks so much for coming. If you have any comments or questions, anything you want us to pass on to Kestrin, please email us. We're just shoot it pod at gmail.com. You can find me. I'm on Instagram at OKaplan. And I'm on threads too, which at the same username at OKaplan. All right, way to go. What about you, Matt? Um, uh, I'm not on threads, but I'm across all of the other social media platforms at Mr. Matt Enlow. I'm waiting to see. Uh, who knows? Nobody's dating. Waiting take, to see what? I don't know. Like, I don't go on Twitter anymore anyway. So, like, do I need a replacement for it? I, I think not. I think so. Uh, Come to okay. threads. It's all cute pictures right now. It's a very early, sweet, innocent, like, Garden of Eden of social media. Yeah, no. So uh, I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow across all social media, excluding threads currently. TBD, we'll find out. This episode was edited by Noah Bayshore. Thanks, Noah. And produced by Tyler Small. And you're listening to music provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.